The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the April uh, meeting of the Local Agency Formation Commission. I'm Chair Connie Chan. I am joined by Vice Chair Jackie Fielder and Commissioner Steen Preston, Hope Williams, uh, and I don't know if Commissioner Shanti Singh is gonna be joining us today. It looks like not. Um, our clerk today is John Carroll, and i also like to thank uh, Michael Baltazar, um, the staff at SFGovTV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Thank you, Madam Chair. LAFCO commissioners are now convening hybrid meetings that, can, uh, that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. LAFCO recognizes that equitable public access is essential. We'll be taking public comments as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on today's agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we'll hear from those who are waiting on the telephone line. If you wish to provide public comment, please dial 415-655-0001. You'll be prompted to enter a meeting ID. The meeting ID for today's meeting is 24877450308. Then press the pound symbol twice. When you're connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but your telephone line will be muted and in listening mode. When your item of interest comes up on today's agenda and we call public comment, those joining us in person should line up to speak here in the chamber, room 250. And those on the telephone line should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on your telephone, please remember to turn down the volume on your television, your radio, your streaming device, SFGovTV, whatever you may be using to access today's proceedings. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing. You can email them to myself, the LAFCO clerk. My email address is j-o-h-n-c-a-r-r-o-l-l at sfgov.org. Or you may send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That is room 244, the clerk's office, and City Hall's address is 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, San Francisco, California, 94102. If you submit public comment in writing, I will forward it to each of the members of LAFCO and also include your communication as part of the official file on which you are commenting. And that concludes my announcements, Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. I would like to announce today that I would like to limit the public comments to one minute. Okay. Uh, and also wanted to let all the presenters know that uh, you have a uh, five minutes for your presentation. Of course, uh, I understand if, the, if it exceeds five minutes, uh, but we would like to um, uh, really allow time for dialogue, and uh, especially given the fact that today we're going to have some discussion on LAFCO's uh, upcoming uh, fiscal budget, uh, fisc a conversation around uh, LAFCO's budget and work plan. Uh, just really would like to have time for those conversations. Uh, with that said, um, Mr. Clerk, please call item number two. Item number two is approval of the LAFCO minutes from the March 17th, 2023 regular meeting. Uh, I, do some, I don't see any name on the roster. Looks like there's no uh, changes uh, to the minutes to be proposed. So seeing that, uh, would like to open this for public comment. Thank you. If we have anyone here in the room who has public comment specifically on the form of the minutes for the previous LAFCO meeting, the March 17th minutes for LAFCO, please come forward to the lectern for one minute of public comment. Seeing none, do we have anyone connected to our meeting remotely who has comments on the form of the minutes for March 17th? Madam Chair, I see that we have no commenters. 
Thank you. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. Um, Mr. Clerk, uh, I would like to call the roll to approve uh, the LAFCO minutes from March 17. Uh, Madam Chair, could we get a mover and a second on the minutes? My apologies. Ayes, <coughs> uh, I move. Second. Great. Moved by C Vice Chair Fielder, second by Commissioner Ho uh, Williams. Thank you. Oh. And on that motion, Vice Chair Fielder? Aye. Fielder, aye. Member Williams? Aye. Williams, aye. Member Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Chair Jan? Aye. Chan, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. The motion passes. And uh, Mr. Clerk, I would like to call item number three and four together. Agenda item number three is Peninsula Clean Energy. Excuse me. Agenda item number three is discussion with Peninsula Clean Energy and their goal of achieving 24 hours per day, seven days per week of renewable energy by 2025. Agenda item number four is a discussion with Marine, Marin Clean Energy and a virtual power plant pilot project in the city of Richmond, California. Thank you. It looks like uh, I think both uh, presenters are actually online today, and uh, I, I think that we have yet to see uh, Jan Pepper, and who is the Chief Executive Officer from Peninsula Clean Energy, so perhaps we should start with uh, Alexandra. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Oh, great. Thank you. So, yeah, I had trouble getting in. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. Sorry, only because we're in person. I couldn't quite see what's online. So uh, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us about what uh, Peninsula Clean Energy is doing. We're very excited to learn more about it. Thank you. Um, I sent some slides. Can you see them? Or would you, I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with Teams, but I'd like to share the slides unless you can um, Thank you. Give us just a moment. Thank you, Executive. Great. Apollo. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for inviting us to tell you about what we're doing. And um, I will... I'll, run through these slides quickly and happy to answer any questions that you have as we go through this. Um, so if we can go to the, the next slide. Uh, Peninsula Clean Energy is the CCA just to the south of you. We serve San Mateo County and the city of Los Banos. Our load is about 3,700 gigawatt hours. I think pretty similar or maybe slightly larger than Clean Power SF load. Our default product is 50% renewable, 100% clean. We have two investment grade ratings. And since we started, we have set our rates at 5% below PG&E, which has saved our customers over $107 million since we started in 2016. We can go to the next slide, please. Um, we have two strategic priorities for the organization. The first is uh, by 2025 to deliver 100% renewable energy each and every hour of the day, which is what I'll be focusing on today. And the second is to contribute to our communities, reaching a goal of 100% GHG free in buildings and transportation by 2035. Next slide, please. So we published a white paper in January of this year on how we are going to achieve 24-7 renewable energy by 2025. And the results of this work um, indicate that we believe we can be we can deliver 100% renewable energy for 99% of the hours um, at cost competitive to today. And why are we doing this? 
So there's two accounting frameworks that are being that we, one can use to calculate emissions footprints. And the way we currently report emissions, and this is uh, in statute, we all send out a power content label to our customers every year. And we look on an annual basis at what our emissions are. So for us at Peninsula Clean Energy, our 2021 annual emissions footprint was five pounds per megawatt hour because we get credited for those hours where we're where we're producing more clean energy than what our customers use. And that's kind of credited against those hours where we're relying on natural gas from the grid. So if you were to look at that instead on an hourly basis, what our emissions footprint is, is actually 210 pounds per megawatt hour. And so if we go to the next slide, this kind of shows graphically what we're looking at. Go to the next slide, please. Um, so if we sh this is a heat map and it shows the hours of the day on the left hand on the vertical axis and all the days of the year along the horizontal axis. So there's 8,760 hours in a year. So there's 8,760 pixels in this picture. And what it shows is those hours where our emissions are zero, which is in the summer mainly, when, this, when the solar is generating a lot, when the wind is blowing a lot, and the hours that are more difficult are in the evenings in the in the winter time. So that's kind of our challenge. How do we how do we deal with that? So this is our approach. So the next slide shows the first step, which is to diversify our portfolio. So the black line is our load, and it shows the the hours of the day uh, on a. This is averaged out over the course of a year. And on the left-hand side are the megawatts of resources to meet that load. So we want to fill in the area underneath that line. And what it shows now with our current portfolio is we've got some base load geothermal that's shown in red. There's some uh, small hydro, which again is pretty base load uh, shown on top of that. Then the dark blue is the wind, which uh, generates more in the nighttime and the late afternoons. And then there's the solar that generates during the daytime. And then you can see that during the day, we have excess solar that's uh, producing more than what we need for those particular hours. And then the gray areas are where we're relying on the grid um, for, for our energy. And that might consist of natural gas uh, that's being generated from other resources serving California. So the next step in the next slide is to take that solar energy that's being generated in excess during the, the daytime, and we've turned those yellow lines into green lines where we're, we're storing that excess energy in uh, energy storage devices, batteries, or other types of energy storage um, technologies. And then we are discharging those energy storage resources back into the grid to cover those hours that were formerly gray and now they're green. So now we're covering, <clears throat> we're using storage to shift the renewable energy timing to meet our load on an hour by hour basis. So that's what we're doing. Um, and the next slide shows in the longer term, doing some work to shape and shift the load. So the dotted line is the original load. The black line would be the, the new load where we try to encourage certain uses during the daytime. For example, electric vehicle charging, let's have that happen during the daytime or other types of, um, or shifting the load so that 
people are heating their water at different times of the day so that we can try to manage the load uh, more. But this is this is longer term. This is more complex to to uh, make big headway in these areas. So the next slide talks about how we modeled all of this and kind of focus on the the uh, the box in the middle on the top. We developed what we're calling the match model, um, which we took a, a open source model and modified it significantly to come up with this model to show how we can take our portfolio and other resources that are available to uh, come up with how, how we can achieve this 24-7. So we had a very iterative process. We would, we would put it into our match model. We'd analyze results. We'd also do a stochastic model, looking at various um, options. Um, and so the match model, you put in one set of inputs, you get one set of outputs, which means it's a deterministic model. Stochastic modeling is where we have lots of variables that we can change over time and we do like 50 different scenarios to see what the risk is and what the results might be. And if you if go I, to the next If I may, slide. Madam, Madam Chair, just through the chair to the speaker, just to remind everyone that we did reach the five minute limit for the presentation, just a time check. Thank you. Okay, so I have five minutes more, is that right? You're at five minutes limits, so we would appreciate uh, if, because we actually have other presentations, so we would appreciate if you could finish. Thank you. Oh, okay. I was told I had 10 minutes. Okay. Well, let me, let me just finish up with two slides then uh, to, re to reflect a couple of the questions that I was asked. So one was, is the match model available? Yes, it's uh, open source on GitHub. And this is the, the, um, where you can find it. And if we could go to um, the next slide, uh, three slides down, please, slide 14. No, slide, no, slide 16, excuse me, which shows the results um, basically that we looked at two different economic scenarios and this shows that we expect to be able to meet the 24 seven either at less cost or 2% increased compared to what we're currently doing. So, um, and if you can go two more slides, the result would be a heat map that where everything is is green and we reduce emissions significantly. So on an hourly basis, we get down to 26 pounds of CO2 equivalent per megawatt hour um, compared to that 222 I talked about earlier. And we can be, do this at the same cost. So I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone might have. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Fielder. Um, thank you so much, Ms. Pepper, for joining us today. I really appreciate you putting together this presentation for us. Um, it's my understanding that our CCA has uh, been looking at a 95% time coincident case by 2030, but I understand that they have lowered it to 90%. So to hear that you all are aiming for 99% by 2025 is really inspiring and I also hope that we can make that happen here. I am curious, my one big question is, um, you mentioned the IRA and that potentially making the, um, the goals a lot more practical. Um, so I'm wondering, how are you all setting yourselves up to um, benefit from the IRA? 
Well, we contract for all of our resources, as I expect uh, CPSF does as well. So we are hopeful that the counterparties that we're contracting for will be passing through the benefits of the IRA, namely the investment tax credit or the production tax credit uh, through lower prices. But um, I, I do want to note that our, our goal is to do this by 2025. There is a lot of volatility in the market right now. There's also um, there's supply chain shortages. A lot of projects are getting delayed. Uh, the ability for projects to interconnect with the California ISO is, is getting delayed. So although we're hopeful and our goal is to do this by 2025, we uh, realize that there may be some things out of our control that are going to force us to um, move this goal out a couple years. Thank you. So Sorry. I don't want to put excess pressure on our, our sister agency, Clean Power SF, um, by uh, saying that, that, you know, things are in flux in the market. Absolutely. Uh, one last question. In your view, what is, what is PG&E's um, role in being able to connect projects to the Kaizo system or um, how are they helping or maybe obstructing, you know, the just transition to renewable power? Yes, as you know, we, uh, PG&E does control the grid. And so for these new projects, they do need to be interconnected by PG&E and same for local generation. So we do have some local projects that we're trying to do and um, they're, they're, we have gotten reports of delays just for normal businesses to be able to connect to the PG&E system. And we know that there are a lot of applications that recently went in for behind the meter solar projects to take advantage of the NEM 2.0 um, tariff that recently changed. So um, yeah, PG&E has a lot of, is going to have a lot of demands for interconnections and that may impact the ability of some of these projects to to move forward as quickly as we would like them to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vice Chair Felder, Commissioner Williams. Hi, thank you so much for that presentation. Um, I was wondering, I don't know if I caught this, but the excess energy produced by solar, where do you, where do you store it? So we're, um, we're contracting for a lot of storage resources. So some of the storage is combined with the solar project. It's a, it's a hybrid facility where it's both solar and battery storage. And then we're also contracting for uh, standalone battery storage to store the excess renewables that are being produced by the projects that we're receiving energy for. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Williams. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. I think my question has just trying to um, compare um, sort of this uh, where, where we are at in San Francisco and city and county in San Francisco, but particularly really in our city boundary. We have roughly about 800,000 residents as well, but I see that you have about 300,000 customers. Are your 300,000 uh, uh, customers, are they mainly resi residential or do you have a mix of residential, commercial, or um, public um, services? Yeah, we have a mix. So we, we serve a population of about 810,000, but at, that translates to 300,000 electric accounts. 
And of those accounts, 90% of those are residential mm -hmm. and the other 10% are commercial industrial. However, in terms of load, uh, the commercial industrial makes up about 60% of the energy use in our uh, and yeah. the resident makes up about 40%. Yeah, and, and does any of this uh, county of, uh, it, does any of the county buildings or just this public buildings, uh, including, uh, will, do they actually also are, are customers of yours? Yes, yeah, the municipalities and the county are all customers of ours. Wonderful, and how do they, uh, do they actually also in the same way, uh, is there any discount for them, or is, how, how does that how does that actually works for you, in terms of uh, customer rating and and rate that you provide? Yeah, so we have the five percent discount for all customers uh -huh. uh, compared to PG&E. Yeah, and then we also have a volume pricing program for very large customers. If they commit to keeping a certain amount of load with us, we'll provide an additional discount. Also for Care and Fera customers. They receive the additional benefits that are always there for those customers uh, via PG&E. And then we have, we're participating in another program called the Disadvantaged Community Green Tariff, where um, some customers get an additional 20% discount and receive 100% solar energy. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Are we really, again, thank you so much for spending time with us and thank you so much for answering our questions and for your, with your presentation information. Um, we have a lot to learn and to also exchange and something to think about for our own uh, program here in San Francisco. So thank you so much. And I believe our next uh, presenter, if I may proceed to the next, um, seeing no more names on the roster, I'm going to proceed to uh, Alexandra McGee, uh, Director of Strategic Initiative of Marine Clean Energy. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to your board. Nice to see you, Jan. Um, thanks for going right before. Lovely to hear what our sister agencies are up to. Um, as may be clear, we really uh, try to lift each other up, and we all have different solutions for the communities that we serve. Our solutions are uh, adapted to local uh, local needs and local constraints. So. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Alexandra McGee. I work at MCE and I manage our strategic initiatives department. And I also sent us uh, some slides ahead of time and I will do my best to hit on all the highlights in five minutes and look forward to a bit more of a dialogue afterwards. So it might mean that we're moving a little quickly, um, but we can always, I can always provide some clarity afterward. So I am here today to share with you one of those customized solutions. Um, the virtual power plant that MCE is developing is an opportunity to address some of these grid constraints while creating uh, intergenerational wealth and equity within our communities. So we could go to the next slide, please. Uh, at the highest level, I think it uh, makes sense to contextualize this. Um, this virtual power plant is in pilot phase. We are beginning it uh, within the city of Richmond. It's important to make sure that a just transition to a clean energy economy has equity at its center. And the city of Richmond had, was the first city to join MCE outside of Marin and has really opened a lot of doors. So we want to make sure that the benefits of this transition uh, target communities that have suffered disproportionate burden from the industrialization uh, of the Bay. So I will skip over the details for the sake of time, but um, the VPP, or as I will be referring to the virtual power plant, um, 
kind of began, MCE's participation began about a year ago now. We've joined a CEC EPIC grant called the Advanced Energy Community to build out uh, a VPP. So what's a, just what is a virtual power plant? What makes it virtual is that it's not, you know, one big power plant that like you might see on the side of the road with some, um, you know, smokestacks and it's not big and lots of lights off the side of the freeway. Instead, it's virtual. So it's decentralized technology that's owned by customers. And that could be you know, rooftop solar, heat pump water heaters, smart thermostats, smart plugs. It's quite agnostic in the type of technology it could incorporate. This technology is installed throughout residential and commercial sites and can respond to digital signals. So the creation of a digital signal pathway allows for load to shift at critical times where the grid needs additional support or where there might be a big uh, heat wave coming up. It essentially creates some capacity to have a smarter grid by linking all of these together virtually. So those digital signals I'm going to talk about in just a moment, um, but I think the, the takeaway is that this is all happening in people's garages or it's in their equipment room. It's this invisible pocket of power that um, links a community together to support grid health locally. Next slide, please. So as Jan pointed out, a lot of what MCE, or, well, MCE and community choice programs do um, have um, traditionally been on this model, if you compare the blue, uh, the blue to the orange side. Typically what we do is we provide the supply and a cleaner supply to the grid in order to meet our customers' demand. And for a long time, if demand went up, all you could do was increase supply, right? And to keep this, this balanced. With the incorporation of batteries, you have a little bit more flexibility in making sure that um, maybe the intermittency of solar or wind that happens during the day can be stored into those evening hours to um, meet some of that evening demand. The big difference with a virtual power plant is that you are having an impact on the demand side, on this right side of the equation. Not only is the customer not only is essentially consuming energy from the grid, they can become a prosumer. They can begin to contribute um, grid capacity to the grid by having these devices in the home be grid smart. And so it's kind of a paradigm shift. It's not only that the influence of a CCA is on the supply side, we're being able to build something where we're influencing the demand side as well. And by if you're able to do this on the demand side, you reduce the need for larger build-outs. Um, you can have better air quality because if you can replace the need for a peaker plant, then you don't need to build it. There's not those air emissions associated. Instead, you have these quiet visible pockets of power throughout the community, providing that grid support during the peaky, more dirty hours. Next slide, please. So uh, one primary difference between MCE's virtual power plant and um, what other people might call a virtual power plant is that we have this direct relationship to the customer. The customer can, for participating in the uh, program can receive monthly credits directly on their electric bill. So not only does the, do these devices help shift your load throughout the day and that creates um, 
essentially a smarter energy usage because we're moving you out of times of the day where energy is more expensive. So that's create savings. But for virtue of participating, you're creating a value for the grid. You're creating a value for MCE. And we want to make sure that the customers are compensated for the value that they produce. So on the residential side, depending on if a household is low income or not, they're getting $40 or $50 a month. And commercial and industrial sites can also um, participate. Those, those credits are capped at $300 or $750 a month, depending on their customer class. And those costs can be offset um, in whole or in part by reduced cost of procured energy by MCE. So if the community is producing its own power in this way, supporting the grid in, in this way, we don't need to go out and procure more power. So that saves us money too. Next slide, please. Five minute time check, Madam Chair. Okay, thank you. Um, I will. I'll, I will sum up just by saying that um, the this one, this virtual power plant is particular because we have an uh, an additional component where we're building new homes for first time low income home buyers. Happy to talk about that uh, if there are questions. But let's move to the next slide just so I will wrap up this presentation. Um, homes that of the homes that were participating the solutions will be customized to the constraints of the home so not every home is like a cookie cutter one size fits all next slide please uh, we are our goal is to reduce the peakiness of our most peaky customers including our commercial sites and happy to talk about the the load that they bring to the grid next slide I believe that might be our last one. Just the longer term vision here is that we create these systems of capacity locally. We're modernizing housing stock um, and also creating these bubbles of, of power so that we can bid them into KISO. That allows us to um, get financial benefits if all the technology responds. MCE gets a financial benefit for having dispatch load and then we transfer that um, credit back down to the customer by way of these uh, these bill credits. And our goal here is to obviously finish the pilot and then build it to the four county area where we can uh, tap into our existing 63,000 solar customers. And with that, I will close out and take any questions. Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Fielder. Um, Thank you so much, Alexandra. I so appreciate this uh, presentation and you taking the time to create it for us. Uh, one question, how, basically it's very general, how, how are the folks chosen for the home buyer program? Yeah, great question. Um, so MCE and the city of Richmond have a multi-year partnership where we have been helping low-income households install solar with grid alternatives as a partner. So we're essentially going back to those homes who qualified for the grid alternatives installation due to their financial status and saying, hey, you have the solar. Can we do something more for you? Would you like a battery? Would you like an EV charging station? How about a heat pump water heater? Where are the gas appliances on your home? If we have uh, these slew of other customer programs that we can weave together to maximize uh, the modernization of their home. And we're starting with the customers that were targeted for those low-income solar um, installations. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Williams. Um, second, Jackie, and um, you making this presentation, really appreciate the work. Um, do you know the demographic of your users? Um, beside, 
I know that they're targeted mostly based on income and uh, load profile. So that's usually what uh, we're looking for. Um, can I ask you to specify your question? Is it, if it's a demographic question, we have some linguistic data too. Sure, uh, both. Both, yeah. So I will say that um, I've personally gone on walkthroughs with households that are Spanish-only speakers, um, which is a good uh, exercise, too, in inclusion, um, making how to translate distributed energy resource systems as a, as a new one for me. So making sure that the technical jargon is presented in a way that's accessible um, is being developed as well. But I, yeah, they, we have some Spanish speakers in the mix, too. Thank you. Thank you. I think uh, my my question. I, I'm I'm. It's the first time I I have to say I when I first saw <laughs> the term virtual power plant, I was very confused. I thought because <laughs> I I'm very limited with my understanding when it comes to energy and um, just what is available out there. So I'm super curious and just so I just really want to thank you for the presentation. Is for me personally, it's definitely an education. And I always appreciate learning something new. And in this case, I, I do, my question would be just kind of thinking about what that could mean for San Francisco and, and how that could actually work out for us. And so, so I'm asking those questions from this context and mm -hmm. to think about when you talk about residential, I'm just kind of looking at uh, from your slides and thinking about what San Francisco is about and could you tell me uh, or help me and understand, better understand uh, your program for residential? Have they been uh, single family homes? Like what kind, what type of homes are they? And I'm just th thinking more about what would that mean if we want to do something similar in San Francisco and having a similar program for, uh, you know, multifamily uh, housing units that has perhaps, you know, more than three units at a time in same go space, and of course up to 25 units, or even uh, bigger. But I, we of course have a different standard for anything that's 25 units and more in San Francisco. But mm -hmm. so I'm just kind of curious, from single family homes to to folks who are who may be tenants in like a three units structure building, what would that? How, how has any of that been part of your customer base? Actually, very similar to Commissioner Williams' questions. It's like I'm trying to understand your demographic, but in this case, specifically in terms of like unit size. Totally, yeah, and housing stock. Uh, understood. Yeah, so I think the, the primary limitation that you have with customer classes has to do with the meter arrangement. Mm. So there are rules at the CPUC that determine what kind of integration you can have with a battery at a at, per meter. Mm -hmm. um, we're starting with single family homes because that's where the rules are the clearest. When you try to approach a multifamily property, mm -hmm. the, like the, the lowest level lift is for the common areas because of the, the kind of single meter situation where you can have, maybe there's a, a, a pool pump and like a, a, a like a, I don't know, a collective area that is served by the affordable house or the for, the multifamily site, and those are more easily integrated to provide a service for the community. So um, I think that the 
we are starting easy with the with the single family because that's where the rules are clearest. As it grows in complexity, I think the multifamily segment will be brought in primarily with the the common areas first. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that you're also incorporating uh, community centers like libraries, um, gathering places that are outside of the single family model in order to create resources for, during outages for uh, community members as well. Thank you, Vice Chair Folder. Sorry, one last question. Thank you. Um, curious, who obtains the data about energy profiles? Is it Peninsula Clean Energy? Is it Kaiso or a third-party company who supplies the smart and virtual technology? So in terms of access to the data, community choice programs have AMI data that we protect very closely. Um, they are, there are a series of... Um, partners at this in this uh, virtual power plant development that have partial access to some of that data in order to create the those digital signals right so essentially we are we have their load profile from their historical usage we're able to now glean what are these different devices uh, producing or capable of producing for the grid and able to send those data signals directly to the devices to be uh, to create like load shape and shimmying so that comes back to us as well for the, um, in order to bid it into Kaiso. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, um, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Chan, and thank you to to both the pre- presenters and. Um, Great to hear about about all this work. I, I did have I was thinking along I think the same lines as uh, Chair Chan just around the the housing stock how this might apply in multifamily. Obviously, given San Francisco having not having as many of these sort of abandoned uh, single family homes, right? But I, but one thing I did want to flag, and that this is just far in advance, but I think would be um, just good for us to start thinking about, and and for uh, our LAFCO staff as well is the potential connection between this kind of work and the vacancy tax that we just passed. Um, And so um, one of the things about the residential vacancy tax that was passed is it puts, it's a special tax that puts the funds, uh, starting next year when it goes into effect, puts the funds, it creates a new fund that is explicitly uh, limited to the acquisition of vacant properties. Um, to create uh, affordable housing. And so there may be some opportunities, I would think, once that is up and running next year, to be looking at this ki- this kind of model of acquisition, doing which we're going to be doing those acquisitions with the vacancy tax revenue, um, and doing those these kind of upgrades and work, potentially not just limited to common areas, before those properties are reactivated. Um, so just wanted to, to plant that seed uh, for future discussion. Thank you. If I could, um, if, if yes. I could just add one thing, um, as you're in that planning, which is very exciting, I will note that the financial mechanism that allows for the refurbishment of abandoned homes is the social impact bond. If that's something that you've looked at already, um, I will just raise it to the to your attention. In this case, we have a bond that's issued by the city and is um, uses funds from a local bank, Mechanics Bank, to create a revolving fund to purchase those abandoned homes, renovate them, and through a profit, uh, through a partnership with a nonprofit partner, able to identify low-income first-time home buyers to um, 
to sell the home too. So if you, and that includes vacant lots as well. That's really good to know, actually. That's super helpful, um, as we're also thinking about a bond uh, that's coming up for, for the city uh, or that we're just about to approve a capital planning plan. Um, I, I do, this is just a layperson, again, <laughs> question. Uh, this is, goes back to what Commissioner Preston has mentioned about residential uh, vacancy tax that we're looking at, but we already have a commercial vacancy tax. Um, could you help me understand um, in your slide uh, it, uh, that is a page, um, oh, it doesn't quite have that, but it's specifically on commercial, and mm -hmm. that, uh, it is it, say 1SMB. Could, yes. you, could you educate me on the acronym SMB, what that means? Yes, so sorry, yeah, small or medium business is okay. SMB. I see. And what is there is a definition of what is considered as small, medium, and then also large commercial? Absolutely. So if you look at your different rate classes, depending on the load of um, any particular customer, they will be identified into different tiers. I believe it's like A1, A10, A19, mm -hmm. depending on the load that the, the certain site um, puts onto the grid. So for, for our more understandable terms, it'd be a small business, medium business, or large business, depending on the rate class that they're involved in. Understood. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Colleagues, any other questions? Thank you. We really want to appreciate you both. Uh, I think that it's always great. At least for me, I feel like, and I think that seeing the, the, the nodding of our fellow commissioners and my colleagues, that we really appreciate uh, learning more from you know, outside of city and county of San Francisco about how do we achieve our goals of clean energy. And in this case, definitely wanted to, how do we get to, just sooner, <laughs> sooner rather than later, about 24-7 renewable energy and, and being able to, uh, wherever we can, to uh, expand uh, sustainable energy source. And in this case, uh, in your presentation, the virtual power plant pilots. It's really fascinating, and I really appreciate um, all the education that we received today. Um, seeing no more name on the roster, uh, Mr. Clark, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public Thank who are connected you. to our meeting remotely who wish to participate in the discussion, please indicate your desire by dialing star three. We will hear first from someone who is here in the board chamber, room 250. Please come forward to the lectern for public comment on agenda items two and three for one minute. Oh, hang on. I got you. There you go. Okay. Oh, wait. This is okay. So, heard a lot today um, about, uh, let's see. Peninsula, clean energy, those are some great graphs, great, great graphs. How they put that together, you know, a lot of things. They go this way and then that way, and then they meet, like, so we have, uh, let's see, geothermal, hydro, wind, solar, grid, and then the graph showed you, like, you know, which ways. And I'm trying to just understand, like, how... How, how, how 10 years go by, like 10 years, that's really hard to do, really hard to do, unless you sedate somebody, unless somebody's sedated. You know, uh, 10 years, it just feel, you feel robbed, feel robbed, 10 years, you know, just, just, just took, it, took it out of my pocket. <laughs> took it out of my pocket, it's 10 years, so uh, I got uh, five more minutes, five more seconds. Okay, thank you very much, I'm learning a lot. Thank you for sharing your comments. 
It appears we have no one additional here in the chamber. We can reach out to see if we have anyone connected remotely who wishes to provide public comment on agenda items three and four called together. And Madam Chair, I'm not seeing that we have any speakers. Thank you, seeing no more public comments. Public comment is now closed. Um, I think that this is a discussion item, uh, so we don't need to take any action unless I need to file the hearing. File um, so I would like to make the motion to file item number three and four, and with that, uh, I do need a second. Second by Commissioner Preston. You can always just yell out. Um, and uh, with that, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On the motion that agenda items three and four be filed, Vice Chair Fielder. Aye. Fielder, aye. Member Williams. Aye. Williams, aye. Member Preston. Preston, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. The motion passes, for, and we item three and four are now filed. Um, Mr. Clerk, please call item number five. Agenda item number five is a community choice aggregation activities report. I think today we will have, I guess not in person, also online, Deputy Assistant General Manager for Clean Power SF, Michael Himes. Good morning, Chair Chan uh, and fellow LAFCO commissioners. Mike Himes, I'm the Deputy uh, Assistant General Manager for the SFPUC's Power Enterprise responsible for Clean Power SF. Um, I do have a presentation I'm going to bring up right now. If I could have controls, um, unless the clerk would like to bring up the, the slides. We'll accelerate your uh, access to presenter and you can share the slides. Okay, thank you. You should be able to uh, share at this time. You are a presenter. Thank you. Uh, I am bringing them up right now. Before I get going, um, and I know I have uh, five minutes, I believe, today, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Is that is that I, yeah? Because I have questions for you, but yes. <laughs> okay. And okay. So chair, I, I had prepared a chair, ten minutes. Mr. Minute. Hyams, if you could just uh, change your your display mode to a full screen mode so that we can see your entire slide deck, please. Looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My apologies. I thought I did that. Okay. Um, yeah. Before I get going, I. I just wanted to take a moment and thank uh, CEO Pepper from Peninsula Clean Energy and Alexandra McGee from Rin Clean Energy um, or MCE Clean Energy. Um, I really appreciate their their leadership and their collegiality. Um, our staffs meet regularly to discuss various initiatives, um, including uh, some of the material you heard today. Um, so we appreciate that time as well. Um, and uh, continued to be inspired by by the work they're doing and um and that we we can share together um so we prepared a few items for our report today um i'm going to focus on the first two given the limited amount of time um, but you have the materials before you um starting with uh our community food services energy efficiency program um, i wanted to to start for a moment with some background um, first, 
what is energy efficiency? Energy efficiency um, is conceptually <clears throat> the use of less energy to perform the same task or produce the same result. Energy efficient homes and buildings use less energy to heat, cool, and run appliances and electronics and energy efficient uh, manufacturing facilities use less energy to produce goods. Energy efficiency is identified in the city and state, um, excuse me, by the city and state uh, and Clean Power Assist Business Plan as a preferred energy resource. Over the past couple of years, the landscape for providing energy efficiency services in the investor-owned utility service areas has changed. The California Public Utilities Commission, which oversees the management of public purpose program funds collected from our ratepayers uh, by the investor and utilities, is changing the way energy efficiency programs are implemented and funded. The San Francisco Department of the Environment has implemented energy efficiency programs funded by uh, public purpose program uh, funding for years uh, under a carve out of funding for local government partnerships. The CPUC has been moving away from those types of programs to geographically broader, competitively solicited, third-party implemented programming. This shift has led to an opportunity for Clean Power SF to fill gaps created locally in this evolving landscape for energy efficiency and customer programs. Under state law, CCAs like Clean Power SF have the right to request public purpose uh, program funds collected from our ratepayers. Uh, to implement energy efficiency programs. So in late 2021, the SFPUC prepared and submitted an application to the CPUC to implement a new community food services energy efficiency program for San Francisco. Uh, our community food services program aims to assist restaurants, grocery stores, corner stores, and nonprofits like food banks and meal services in achieving energy efficiency savings. The program was designed to fill an existing gap in energy efficiency options available to community food service organizations, including small grocery and corner stores, which historically have been underserved by available energy efficiency programs. This is also a critical segment of San Francisco's economy that has been hit hard by changes brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. The program uh, aims to do so by working with an energy services company to provide free energy assessments and install energy efficient equipment like efficient refrigerators, uh, induction stoves, lighting, and other equipment at no upfront cost to the participating customer. Last year, the CPUC approved about $4.5 million in ratepayer funds for Clean Power SF to implement this program. All of these funds will come from uh, the public purpose program charges levied on Clean Power SF customer bills. Earlier this week, the Board of Supervisors approved a supplemental budget request for Clean Power SF to appropriate these funds to operate the program. The SFPUC is in the final stages of preparing a request for proposals for an energy services company uh, to implement the program. The program will utilize what we call a pay for performance model, so, uh, which is summarized here. Under the model, uh, the energy efficiency services company identifies, designs, finan finances, and implements energy efficiency measures for customers. Clean Power SF provides the company incentive payments for completing projects and delivering energy savings. Once an uh, implementing energy services company is under contract, 
The SFPUC will work closely with the Department of the Environment and the contractor to promote the program to attract customers for site assessments. Following a site assessment, customers will receive a project proposal. Customers that wish to move forward uh, with a project will execute an agreement. For two years following equipment installation, energy savings uh, at the customer's electricity meters will be measured by Clean Power SF, and the participating businesses make payments on the equipment equal to the savings they see on their bill. Program incentive payments are made to the energy services company based on energy savings performance. The more savings the company achieves, the more it receives in incentives. Okay, I'm gonna pivot here for um, the next seg segment uh, to discuss generation rates. And, and Madam Chair, just to pipe up that we had our time check there for five minutes. Thank you. Would you like me to continue? Of course, and we have some questions too. Thank okay. San Francisco City Charter requires that the SFPUC conduct a cost of service rate study for our water, power, and sewer services at least every five years. The SFPUC conducted the first rate study for Clean Power SF in 2021. That study resulted in new cost of service rates adopted by our commission and effective on July 1st, 2022. Key outcomes of that rate study were to ensure financial sustainability for the program by setting Clean Power SF rates to cost of service and moving away from the practice of following PG&E's rates. To prioritize customer needs, for example, being mindful of the pace and magnitude of change for our rates uh, to ensure affordability and competitiveness and to support the city's climate action goals by ensuring that the rates that, that our rates sent the right pricing signals to encourage climate responsible power consumption. Ultimately, Clean Power SF's 2022 2023 rates decreased from fiscal year 2021 22 rates that had been in effect. To ensure that we can financially manage volatility in the power market, and provide predictable generation rates to our customers, Clean Power SF rates are set, set once per year. Following utility best practice and leveraging our 2022 cost of service study, our finance team conducted an analysis using Clean Power SF's adopted 10-year financial plan. Following the steps of cost functionalization, classification, and allocation, the team examined Clean Power SF's rate design with an eye towards meeting the program's revenue requirement while managing the bill impact for customers on different rate schedules. Our finance team then analyzed the rate schedules for rate rebalancing to ensure that no rate schedules were changing too dramatically or resulting in rates that were uncompetitive with PG&E's. Um, on this slide, you can see the results of this work for the typical residential customer on Clean Power SF's default residential electricity rate. Uh, admittedly, there's a lot going on here, so I'll walk you through quickly. Uh, the first bar on the left shows the typical customer's average monthly bill under existing rates. The gray segment of the bar uh, represents PG&E's delivery charges on the bill. Um, there's a slight little skinny segment there, light blue, um, which represents PG&E's power charge indifference adjustment and franchise fee surcharge fees that are applied to CCA customers' bills. And then the green segment, uh, solid green segment, represents Clean Power SF generation charges. The hashed uh, portion above that represents savings delivered to the customer. 
Uh, the middle bar shows uh, an expected monthly bill under our proposed rates for next fiscal year. And the third bar on the right side shows the customer's bill if the customer was to take generation service from PG&E. And at the top of each bar, you can see the typical monthly bill for customers on this rate schedule. Under our staff proposal, residential customers will be seeing on average about a 6% bill increase, but will continue to save approximately 3% or $3 a month relative to PG&E's uh, service. Customers are currently saving almost 10% on their bills with Clean Power SF, customer, uh, Clean Power SF service. And here's a similar chart for small commercial customers. Under our rate proposal, uh, small commercial customers will see about a 4% bill increase, but will continue to save approximately 6% uh, or $29 per month compared to PG&E. Here are some recent and upcoming milestones for this rate action. Uh, you can see our SF LAFCO meeting there right in the middle. Um, we're next uh, preparing to uh, pr present our proposal to our commission on the 9th of May. Uh, following the results uh, of that rate hearing, uh, we are planning to submit the rates to the Board of Supervisors a few days later uh, with the goal of having our new rates effective for July 1st. Um, and I do just want to mention, I'll, I'll, I'll cut this short, um, but uh, we did want to include uh, some exciting uh, in community engagement work that we have underway to celebrate Earth Month. Um, it is Earth Month now and Earth Day tomorrow. Um, and uh, uh, part of that includes a super green upgrade campaign uh, that um, involves both digital advertising and in-person activations. Um, here you can see um, one of our uh, fun in-person activation um, props, which is uh, a super green apartment. Um, and we're going to be uh, moving that around the city at various events um, and uh, provides an opportunity for to interact with the community and with our customers and encourage super green upgrades. Um, and we also have underway a heat pump water heater and electrification awareness campaign. Um, and that's got uh, a call to action uh, to break up with gas um, and include some, uh, some fun graphics uh, and messaging. Um, and uh, since the start of this campaign just a week ago, we've already seen a lot of engagement and interest from our customers. So with that, I'll conclude my prepared remarks. Um, and I'm happy to take any questions you may have. I did also want to comment that I'm joined here online by uh, Peter Galata, our power marketing and communications manager, in case you have any uh, questions about uh, that, that uh, last part that I just uh, kind of breezed through. Um, and I also have Ma Yi Yap, our uh, principal revenue and rates analyst uh, who can assist with, with our rate action questions. Great, thank you. I, I do actually have questions about the rate setting. And I think uh, what I would like to say today, though, um, it's perhaps a task for really Executive Officer Pollock and to um, provide a memo to this body, uh, specifically on the rate setting uh, process and structure, particularly really the structure that SFPUC is, is heading toward um, based on the rate study um, that has been conducted um, about a year now, uh, just help us better understand 
that if this is actually the most efficient uh, rate structure, I appreciate that um, Clean Power SF is doing everything it can to try to keep it affordable. Um, while I do appreciate that, I'm just kind of looking at both, you know, the built impact for residential and small commercial at this moment. I do see, you know, there's a difference. It's not significant. Uh, there is a difference in cost saving. It's cost saving. But I, I, I think I would appreciate if Officer Pollock, you could really assist this body to have some understanding uh, based on a memo, um, uh, uh, to produce a memo based on uh, what we're seeing on the slide nine that's presented by uh, Director Himes today, um, particularly on revenue requirement. Uh, I would love to be able to uh, make sure that the commissioners have the details on the 10-year financial plan um, and, of course, like your analysis on their ability to set the cost functionality functionalizations, classification and allocation, and most definitely, most importantly, the rate design. Um, do you deem, you know, with your evaluation, do you deem that effective? Um, or is in your research that you can actually identify other ways uh, for rate setting? Um, so that's all I have for at this moment, Vice Chair Filder. Thank you, Chair and Chan. Um, thank you so much, Director Himes, for this presentation. Thanks for making available a couple folks to answer questions. Um, I'm super excited to hear about this uh, new landing page and resource for customers going all electric. I think it's been uh, long overdue. You know, talking to folks who are making the transition on their own has been really eye-opening, just seeing their challenges. Um, and I also recently saw, I'm not sure if there's an ability to um, kind of mesh that with IRA resources. I just saw that the White House put out a kind of resource for a lot of different constituencies and stakeholders to be able to understand the rebates that are going to be offered um, through the Inflation Reduction Act programs. So like windows and energy efficiency and heat pumps, there's all that kind of info and they direct folks to the state as well to, to get that info. So um, I'm looking forward to diving into these more. Hope to see, um, again, that kind of connection with the most up-to-date info on Inflation Reduction Act. Um, very excited to hear about a heat pump water heater and electrification awareness campaign. I hope it can extend past Earth Month. Uh, in my opinion, Earth Month is every month. Uh, I'll see you all at least at one of these events. would love to be able to show up on April 30th in the Mission District to um, engage customers in person and see this green apartment. Um, so thank you so much. I'm really excited to see this. A uh, question related to the earlier presentation, especially on Peninsula Clean Energy's goals to reach the time coincident uh, case scenario by 20. 25 and they're going for what was it 99% or 100% maybe 95 so again our goal based on the last IRP as I understand it correct me if I'm wrong is to reach 95% by 2030 but as I understand it it's been reduced to 90% um, please let me know what what's being done to 
Again, make that timeline faster. Now we have the IRA. That was not a part of the calculations in the recent IRP process. Um, I just saw, too, that lithium prices have dropped something like 70% since November uh, due to less demand for electric vehicles in China. So really curious to hear when we can get an updated scenario analysis. Um, okay, so I think one, one thing I did just want to mention, you were throwing out a few different numbers, um, Commissioner Fielder. Uh, our, our goal, our, our goal for Clean Power SF is to achieve 100% renewable energy in 2025. And what we've adopted is a 90% um, time coincidence uh, through the last integ uh, integrated uh, resource plan. Um, we're going to continue to look at this. Um, We've been speaking with, with staff from Peninsula Clean Energy. Um, we're looking at potentially using uh, their tool, uh, running our work through their tool to see, um, uh, to essentially replicate um, what, what they've done with, with our own portfolio um, and to better understand if, if you know, we're gonna see anything different than what we have been seeing. Um, but but also, I, you know, I want to point out that I think um, uh, what um, CEO Pepper mentioned uh, and, and included in her presentation, I don't think she got to the, the end of the presentation, um, but uh, uh, they do they did identify a number of challenges and risks. Um, and, and I think we we all sort of collectively are aspiring to this uh, end state. Um, but we do need to be very mindful of those challenges and risks and what the uh, financial implications might be um, of uh, moving quickly to time coincidence. Um, and I know that, that Peninsula Clean Energy is aware of those. Um, and, and so I would uh, encourage uh, you to take a look at, I think it's page 20 of their presentation. Um, there's, there's some helpful points there on some of the challenges and risks, which we also identified in our IRP. Um, I don't have a specific time frame for providing uh, updated uh, scenarios, but um, I'll go back to our team and I can uh, follow up with the executive officer on that. Thanks so much. And um, I guess just the last point on this is San Francisco's got to be one of the wealthiest cities in the country, and we hear all the time about um, financial challenges, you know, especially right now with the general budget in San Francisco. But, um, you know, from the program perspective, obviously it's going to cost, like this transition is going to cost. But I think we're at a really opportune time to take advantage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is an unprecedented commitment upwards of, um, definitely in the billions of dollars, uh, but even more than was originally expected is going to start flowing. And for San Francisco, I think it would just, um, you know, there are ways to meet that need if it is a financial problem. So I'm looking forward to working with board supervisors, my fellow commissioners, Clean Power SF, everyone else who's interested in uh, making sure that our city accelerates this transition and gets ahead of this. Thanks. Thank you, Vice Chair uh, Filder, and uh, I, I just uh, wanted to clarify uh, just the timing for the uh, rate-setting memo um, because the fact that it, it is going to the Board of Supervisors, uh, 
May 12, if we, if this both this body and also a copy be sent to the members of the Board of Supervisors uh, before then, that will be great. I would really appreciate it. Uh, absolutely, Executive Officer Jeremy Pollack. Um, yeah, I'll work on that memo to be uh, available to the Board of Supervisors then, and we can look at scheduling it at the, the May meeting if you would like. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, seeing no name on the roster um, on this item, let's go to Mr. Clerk, please go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Reaching out to see if we have any comments here in room 250 on agenda item number five, the Community Choice Aggregation Activities Report that was presented to LAFCO. And also reminding folks who are connected to our meeting remotely that if they wish to indicate their desire to speak on agenda item number five, they may do so by dialing star three, and we will get to them next. Please come forward if you have comments on agenda five. Uh, agenda number five. Uh, community choice aggregation. Uh, okay, so what do you do, what you're doing with this program is basically going into people's houses. You're going into the corner stores, and you're going into you know food banks and stuff like that. Or that's the other item. But you know you're, you're basically going into people's houses and doing this, and you know it's taxpayers. I mean the ratepayers are paying for it, right? The ratepayers are paying for it. So you're just trying to understand what's going on here. It's ten years. Um, somebody, you know, is in your house, and, uh, they're holding you back, and you're just wondering, why are you in there? What are you doing? Why are you doing it against somebody's will? Uh, so that's pretty much all I got for now. Um, let's move on to the next item. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Could we be connected to our one remote speaker who's indicated a desire to speak on Agenda 5? Good morning, Commissioners. Eric Brooks, uh, Our City, San Francisco, and Californians for Energy Choice. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's good that the SFPC is just kind of providing the opportunity for customers to get energy efficiency and heat pumps and electrification, things like that. But we need to point out the crucial difference between what SFPC is doing and what MCE showed that it's doing, and that is that MCE is strategically reaching out to locate opportunities for solar, battery storage, and efficiency, and time of day use, and integrating all those into a system that will create a virtual power plant. And much like the eight letter from the 18 organizations that I've given you before, asking for 100% local clean energy in that, kind of a, uh, in that kind of an organized way. That's the key difference. Instead of just randomly making certain things available to people that are providing food services, this is a strategic plan to actually roll out a virtual power plant in an area. Thank you, Brooks, for sharing your comments with the LAFCO commissioners. Sorry to cut you off. We, of course, are timing everyone's comments for one minute. And I'm delaying for a moment to see if we have any further callers in the queue. Madam Chair, it appears we have no further callers. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Also, just want to let Mr. Brooks know that he can always wait, submit written comment as well, or anyone is welcome to submit public comments through emails. Um, with that, uh, I think we, sh we will continue this item to the next meeting. Um, it's a discussion item, but I will make the motion to continue to the next meeting. Um, may I have a second on this? 
Second by Vice Chair Filder, and uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On a motion to continue this to the next meeting of LAFCO offered by Chair Chan. Vice Chair Fielder? Aye. Fielder, aye. Commissioner Williams? Aye. Williams, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Chair Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. The motion passes. Um, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item number six, seven, and eight together? Agenda item number six is a discussion and possible approval of a proposed memorandum of understanding between LAFCO and the SFPUC. Agenda item number seven is the proposed budget and work plan for fiscal year 23-24. And agenda item number eight is the executive officer's report. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Colleagues, I really want us to um, today, you know, because of the fact that we meet monthly, um, and I, I really would love for us to just uh, have a conversation and a dialogue with um, Executive Office Pollock to kind of really help us think about um, uh, the MOU. Um, I, I think it ties to uh, the MOU with SIPUC really ties to the heart of the, uh, well, a lot of, uh, of work that we do uh, for the upcoming fiscal year uh, and, and really uh, the, the next as well. And that it's also part of uh, our budget that I would like for us to really have a conversation. Um, overall, um, we can see, it may seem like we have only few items, but reality is uh, I also would love colleagues uh, for us to have a conversation about um, how critical these uh, items really are uh, to the future of San Francisco, um, be it for public bank, be it for our clean power SF and our clean energy and sustainable energy for the, our future. Um, I, I think this is a critical juncture for this body to have uh, those conversations um, and really think about uh, in the next two years, uh, what, what are our goals to deliver um, the work plan? And, and how really particularly do, are we gonna deliver these work plans? Um, I, you know, the reinvestment um, working group's been going on for a year now, or I think more. Um, and so I uh, look forward to hearing those updates, but I would love for us to have a conversation through you know, item seven today, talking about proposed budget and work plan for this upcoming fiscal year, uh, and, and that we can all articulate what our goals uh, are uh, for Executive Officer Pollock to really uh, help to, to have that dialogue and help us understand whether whether we can meet those goals or not and how can we deliver those goals um, and if we cannot and, and that we need more time or more uh, funding what would that conversation actually look like and, and what what are our options so thank you and uh, Officer Pollock the floor is yours my microphone on there, there we go. go sorry about that uh, executive officer Jeremy Pollock uh, good morning commissioners um, we'll share some slides here uh, starting with uh, an update on the the proposed LAFCO SFPUC memorandum of understanding um, this slide shows some background uh, more intended for members of the public that I know you are all familiar with uh, MOU was approved by by you all in December uh, the SFPUC considered it in January but did not take action and we brought it back to you with a, a few amendments that the SFPUC staff has proposed for your consideration. Um, 
And this slide here summarizes the, the three major amendments that the, the SFPUC is requesting. Uh, first of all, is, is reducing the, the total funding of the MOU from 800,000 to approximately 730,000. Uh, an edit on the, the provision about the carryover of unused funds at the end of uh, each fiscal year during the MOU. Um, the compromise that we arrived at was um, to allow the SFPUC the flexibility of, of to determine whether or not they would recommend that carryover of unused funds, but in the event that they, they don't recommend that to the mayor in their submission of their budget, um, they would be required to notify LAFCO at the time of that budget submission in February uh, with the, the intention that that would allow for uh, this commission to, to advocate for uh, um, the re restoration of those funds in the, in the budget process in June if, um, if so desired. And then the last edit was around uh, a narrowing of the scope of work uh, to delete the LAFCO's oversight of Clean Power SF from the activities that the PUC would reimburse us for. Um, it doesn't impact our ability to do that work, and that is, that is referenced uh, elsewhere in the MOU. Um, as the Board of Supervisors recently uh, reiterated its request for LAFCO to continue that oversight work. Um, so the net, net effect of this is that the, um, that, um, the budget for that for uh, our staff time would come out of the, the general fund source of, of LAFCO's funds as opposed to being reimbursed from the SFPUC. Um, and I believe that, um, yeah, and then lastly here is just the, uh, the revised scope of work would just focus on the, the special studies to be conducted on, on these topics. And uh, I believe that is, that is it for the, the MOU. And um, I can either move on to presenting on the budget or happy to pause here for any uh, comments or questions from the commission. I, I just want to thank you for all your hard work, and I also want to acknowledge Vice Chair Fielder for her hard work and really communications uh, with uh, SFPUC uh, Commission President um, Ajame, and, and really just having a, a really, I believe, in at least in my opinion, a very productive dialogue um, that uh, actually resulted in this MOU. So I just really want to thank you and really want to thank Vice Chair Fielder for all your work on this. Um, I think that if we look at the history of this MOU, a longstanding MOU between LAFCO and SFPUC Commission, it's a long-time partnership, but I want to also be candid. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's not an easy um, process. It has never been an easy process for LAFCO to provide oversight over SFPUC um, and really the city and county of San Francisco to make sure that we meet our clean you know, energy goals. And so I think that LAFCO ought to continue that role as uh, oversight body. Um, we need to be consistent and strong uh, in our role, oversight role. Um, this MOU, though, I think um, is to uh, clarify uh, our role, but also our shared mission, uh, but to also to recognize the fact that LAFCO uh, is in a very strange kind of way, just, you know, that is supposed to be an independent state uh, oversight body. Its operation is really funded by the city and county of San Francisco um, through either the, the members of the board of supervisors, uh, basically department one, number one, or, you know, and in this case now with this MOU is uh, the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. Uh, 
I, I would say, you know, for the board supervisors, LAFCO often play more as an advisor role. Um, but for SFPUC, uh, we really are technically an oversight body. Uh, in fact, we're an oversight body really for a, a municipal service review. That's our authority. Of course, we're also in that unique space because we're both the city and county of San Francisco. So unlike any other county, we, 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 here we are, um, and we see that a lot of uh, those jurisdictions and authority goes to both SFPUC and uh, board supervisors. Um, nonetheless, I would not take this MOU lightly, and so I urge colleagues to really go through this and see that you know, there are five studies uh, that now we have come to in a, you know, agreement. Uh, I think they're very critical, and again, thanks to Vice Chair Fielder that we're here. Here we are uh, with, with these uh, five goals that we can mutually agree upon. Um, the dollar amounts that now we have come to is a total new funding for the next two fiscal years of six $600,000. I think that right now there is a commitment, uh, while it's not um, articulated in this MOU, I think that it has been an ongoing commitment, and I believe that, you know, in good faith, that it will continue to be so, that we will continue this partnership, and if there's money that is not spent uh, within the fiscal year, it will roll over to the next. Um, I also have uh, been in communications with General Ma SFPUC General Manager Dennis Herrera um, in the event that, you know, I, I think that we're really looking to to all of us here today, uh, if you, we all collectively approve uh, this uh, MOU, this will appear on the SFPUC uh, agenda, is expected to appear on May 9, so that they too can take action on this MOU, uh, which I uh, am expecting um, uh, positive results and, and approval from them as well because of all the hard work all of you have done. So that's all I wanna say. Uh, it's a lot already, but um, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, uh, Chair Chan. I really just wanted to, um, to echo the thanks, but also especially to thank you um, and uh, Executive Officer Pollock uh, and, and Vice Chair Fielder, and I, and I understand uh, General Manager Herrera was involved as well, and, and you've mentioned others, but, but I do think that I know that a lot of work uh, went into this uh, from our chair and vice chair and our executive officer, and just wanted to recognize that work and, and appreciate it. Thank you. Vice Chair Fielder. Yes, just echoing the thanks, Executive Officer Pollock, for shepherding this whole process. It's been a long one, and Chair Chan, thank you for your leadership. You. Um, I'm definitely ready to support this and get things rolling, and I, I do hope that SFPUC um, shares that sentiment because all these studies are badly needed right now. Natural gas system decommissioning, seeing what the challenges are, of which there are many. Um, battery storage, as we just heard from uh, one of our sister CCAs today, like they're able to meet a lot of their goals because of massive storage projects. Mm -hmm. um, electric vehicle charging, green bank financing, as you all know at this point, this is um, something that's, that's, I think, really timely for our city. Um, it was kind of through the grapevine uh, discussed and, and reported that the 
kind of green banking coalition of folks that are at the national level are probably going to be lining up to be the ones to distribute a lot of the greenhouse gas reduction funds. And at the moment, they're ready to, it seems like they're ready to support green banks around the country. Of course, San Francisco doesn't necessarily have a green bank, but it perfectly dovetails with conversations about a public bank, um, about the green elements of a public bank. And so this one in particular is especially timely to me. And so I just really hope that SFPUC is ready to, to, to pass this and get to work. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Fielder. Uh, with that, I just, uh, you know, we, we we're going to go through all three items and then we'll go to public comments. But it is my uh, intention that when we come back after public comments that for item number six, we will be making the motion to act uh, to approve the MOU um, as, we, as this is before us today. Um, so with that, uh, Officer Pollock, let's go to um, item seven. Uh, great. So I'll briefly go over the uh, the proposed budget and work plan for the upcoming fiscal year. Um, the LAFCO is required by state law to adopt a proposed budget by May 1st and final budget by June 19th. Um, because, uh, we're anticipating the, that final budget approval at the, the May 19th meeting. And uh, the budget before you is uh, assuming that, that execution of the, the, the MOU and incorporation of that funding into the budget. Um, and this uh, slide here shows the, the, the budget sources anticipated um, and uh, note here about you know, the, the increase in the budget is due to uh, that shifting of the policy analyst position uh, that is currently housed under the clerk of the board of supervisors to have that um, to be accounted for under LAFCO's budget and also the additional spending from the, the MOU. Um, and then for the, the MOU portion of the, the budget, this slide lists uh, the anticipated spending uh, for the upcoming fiscal year uh, and estimating that um, approximately a third of my time will be devoted to, to the activities on the MOU and 0.2% and, uh, of or 20% uh, of the policy analyst's work, uh, as well as funding for uh, consultants to, to support the studies, uh, some work from our legal counsel, uh, a, a small intern stipend, and then some funding for community engagement and uh, process along with interpretation to, to support the, the studies to be conducted. Uh, and this slide just highlights uh, a few of the, the changes from the budget, uh, from last year's budget. Um, I'm not gonna to go over all of them. Um, one thing I will highlight is um, for us, a rather significant increase in the charge from SFGovTV uh, that appears to be due to them adopting a new cost recovery model for their expenses from the switch to hybrid meetings. Um, I'm looking into that more to see if, if we might be able to find some savings on that. Um, in uh, just getting that model from the clerk of the board's office, it looks like um, this accounting is based on anticipating 12 meetings from LAFCO over the course of the year, but our regular meeting schedule is, is currently nine meetings, so hoping that can, can yield a little bit of savings on this. Um, and then apologies for the eye chart. I wasn't sure about any other way to present this is the, uh, the full uh, budget of expenditures for the, the budget and uh, broken out into um, the sources from the, the PUC MOU budget and from the, the general fund budget and then the comparison to, to last year's budget. Um, and I believe that is it for the budget. Um, and I can either carry on to, to discussing the, the work plan for the year, or if you have any questions related to the budget, I'm happy to pause here and take those. 
Thank you. Um, I I think my uh, I do have a thought, and I colleagues, I don't know what your what what are your thoughts. Um, you know, we averaging for the last since I've been chair, uh, it's averaging nine meetings annually um, or less. Uh, but so you know, with the cost saving and. The, the budget um, deficit that the city is facing. Um, I, I want to also throw it out there that, you know, will there be a consideration or could there be consideration among us to think about a bi-monthly meeting uh, instead? Um, so that will reduce half of, of what we uh, when have, like six months, right? And um, uh, uh, per year uh, of meeting, um, I think it's both capacity and that, um, really to also ensure we have quorum uh, on a consistent basis. So, so I wanna uh, throw it out there uh, just for, for our thoughts and, and uh, discussion. Um, so that's, that's one thing to just looking at the budget and, and how it's being increased right now. And I definitely think that interpretation is critical um, that we must provide, especially I think uh, some of the meetings like our reinvestment working group um, should really continue to provide uh, uh, interpretation. Um, and I, I really hope that uh, if need be, there, there are other venues uh, and outreach activities uh, once we have this MOU approved that we, we would actually also be utilizing uh, interpretation. Um, so those are some of my thoughts. Okay, uh, seeing no questions specifically on the budget or the work plan. I think the work plan has been consistent. I think that the work plan, which I also appreciate um, executive, office, executive Officer Pollock for um, having conversation with commissioners and just making sure that everyone is uh, briefed and also know uh, what our future goals are uh, and be able to deliver um, these work plans and studies. So no questions. And um, I do wanted to put it out there about the gig economy and emerging mobility labor issues. Um, you know, this one has been a longstanding one with um, former supervisor Gordon Marr uh, has been ongoing. Um, I think at some point I would like to get a little bit of an update uh, on on how is it going, uh, where we where we're heading next, and the implementation of the bike delivery program with SFE. I know that it just started, so we would love at some point um, do that. Have we been having discussion about what board president, board supervisors, board president Aaron Peskin's request about? Um, laundry mat services. Could you just give us a little bit details on that? Uh, sure, let me, let me move ahead to, um, let's see, is that, uh, I can share my slide if TV can show the slide again that um, uh, basically our work plan was proposed to have three major planks of, of Clean Power SF, uh, public banking and municipal financing, and then a, a new plank on uh, municipal housing services uh, related to uh, starting with the, the Midtown study. Um, then some of the other studies, uh, like you mentioned, the gig economy work, uh, we're planning to have uh, the Department of the Environment come back with an update on that once the program is launched and underway, uh, probably this summer or fall. 
Um, and then um, also included in, in last month's preview of the work plan was the request from Board, Board of Supervisors President Peskin for a study on the need for a municipal community laundromat services, uh, looking at the, the, the sharp reduction in commercial laundromats in the city in recent years, uh, and also looking particularly at the impacts on congregate living situations, uh, single resident occupancy hotels, and, and other high-density areas. Um, and you know, looking at you know the impacts of that on on sanitation and public health and the the, the potential benefits and um, and so um, yeah and in in discussions with individual commissioners I've heard um, support for that idea and um, working with with uh, President Peskin's office on designing the scope of work for that study and um, that that's about as far along as we are so. Um, yeah, welcome any input from you all on that, on uh, direction or scope of that, that that study and your level of interest in, in participating on on conducting that and, um, yeah, hoping to, to launch that effort soon. Thank you. Vice Chair Felder. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to support. I see this. This is the first time I'm seeing a proposal to for LAFCO to deliver semi-annual updates to the Board of Supervisors and SFPC. I think that would be really helpful um, and an important role that LAFCO already kind of informally serves, but um, support that becoming a more formal thing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to see that. Thank you. Commissioner President. Thank Pre you. Preston. <laughs> Thank you, Chair Chan. Um, I, I just wanted to follow up on the um, uh, one of the things, Chair Chan, that you mentioned that's in the presentation on the e-bike delivery um, pilot um, and just looking forward on that, um, when, do we have a sense of when we will be seeing the sort of initial results and uh, be in a position to evaluate those? It's obviously a pretty new program and I'm also just curious to what extent that's Department of Environment that will be doing that kind of review of the pilot and reporting back or or uh, LAFCO staff. Right so the Department of the Environment is is the project manager for it and working with um, uh, their partners the the nonprofit that's uh, coordinating with uh, the the drivers and delivery bike riders and then also there's a data collection and analysis portion of that um, so uh, yeah LAFCO's role is basically advising on that um, you know but we've been providing feedback on their implementation plan and the the, the participant selection process um, and so I, um, I could pull up uh, the, the tentative timeline in a moment to give you a, a better sense. Um, as I recall, I believe the, the hope was to launch the cohort. The first cohort is being selected this month, and then they're expecting about a month of training and sort of um, a trial period to make sure the, the data tracking process works. Um, and then over the summer, I believe June, August, September, I believe, would be the data collection period. Um, and so I don't have details from then if, if, if they'll have any sort of interim data along the ways or if it would be um, later in the fall that they might have the, the first results to share. But um, I'm happy to follow up on that and, and report back to you. Thank you so much. And, and I will just, I, I've spoken to this one before and, and we've talked about this. Um, I think this is one where I always love a pilot study, but sometimes you kind of know what's going to happen. And I would say barring something very unexpected, which is could happen like 
we know there's an appetite for this and I'm, I'm very itchy for us to figure out uh, how to expand this. So I would just love to be in a position where, um, you know, to the extent there, there are recommendations or funding sources we should be pursuing, not to feel like we have to wait for the results of, uh, of the pilot. I mean, there, there may be ways, it may be it, it, we don't see the full, you know, 70 percent interest among driver, drivers that the studies indicate or whatever it is. But I think when we're talking about basically 36 uh, bikes that are going to be provided, there's going to be demand. That is that many drive, you know, delivery gig drivers out of their cars and onto bikes. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's hard for me to see the model in which we are not wanting to expand. We will learn lessons from the pilot and that's great. But I, I just, I, I would to the greatest extent possible uh, in working with, obviously, with DOE and implementation and, and uh, LAFCO consulting and advising and studying this. Um, hope that during this upcoming uh, fiscal year, we could be in a position to, to have uh, some recommendations or proposals ready to go around what it would take to scale up. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to follow up on that. And we also have the uh, the report from our Coro fellow, Walker Woodward, on with some recommendations on other possibilities for expanding this program. And I know the Department of the Environment is always scouring for potential grant sources. Um, unfortunately, the Inflation Reduction Act did not really include much funding that is relevant to, to e-bikes. Uh, the sort of vehicle funding was very much limited to cars, unfortunately, but um, hope that there might be other, other funding sources that we can explore to, to expand the program. Thank you. Thank you. Um, seeing no other name on the roster, um, let's go to your executive officer update. Okay. Uh, I'll go um, briefly through this and uh, start with uh, the update on the reinvestment working group from our policy analyst, Khalid Samurai. Oh. Let's see. Looks like Mr. Samurai is trying to find a working microphone here. And you turn the microphone off. There you go. Oh, it's on now? Mm -hmm. Oh. You can just don't press the button. Don't press it's the button anymore. I got it. Uh, hello, commissioners. Thank you for your time. Um, <clears throat> we uh, are nearing the end of our reinvestment working group time. Um, we have uh, two more meetings scheduled, one for um, May and one for June. Currently, we have the uh, final uh, draft of the step one organization, the MFC and we will get the final version of the public bank document on May 10th. At the May 18th meeting, we plan on um, voting to submit both plans to you. However, um, the chair noted yesterday at our meeting that um, they might need more time, and so we're gonna tentatively schedule the June meeting as well. Um, I'm, I've also made a request to all working group members to submit a, um, a letter to the Board of Supervisors um, about um, their work and the plans. That will be included in the July 20th uh, Government Audits and Oversight uh, Meeting Legislative Packet, along with the final um, version of the MFC plan and the final version of the Public Bank plan. And after the July 20th um, GAO meeting, 
LAFCA's supervision of the reinvestment working group will conclude with some exceptions. The chair of the working group may call uh, a meeting until December of 2023. Um, we will obviously help uh, any pres you know, presentations of the working group's work um, for the board or any other uh, entity. Um, and then any other assignments that the LAFCO commissioners, all of you, um, assign to us and any other requests made by the Board of Supervisors for uh, LAFCO to continue public banking work like, for example, continuing to um, remain in touch with the FDIC uh, for future purposes of um, getting regulators oversight and uh, edits of the public bank plan. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I would like to see, um, I, I think uh, seeing that uh, I would assume you have to talk to the GAO chair, <laughs> the Government Audit Oversight Committee chair, Supervisor Dean Preston, and asking for a presentation. And I would assume that there got to be a um, hearing request uh, introduced. Um, I see the nodding there. So, like, so I guess we will take care of those uh, legislative process at the board of supervisors. Uh, I would also urge you to um, separately to uh, brief the members of the board of supervisors uh, with the chair of the reinvestment working group uh, and to make sure that uh, the members of the board actually are brief uh, on uh, what is to come uh, before, they, before they actually have to vote, vote on it or hear the plan. So that, that would be my suggestion, just some education. Um, out there to to know what you've been up to and uh, and and actually let them know. And I also think that there's new member on the board of supervisors that may not uh, know about public bank and and how it works. So um, we'd love for your help to to help them to be educated. Uh, with that, Vice Chair Fielder. Thank you, Chair Chan. And I, I echo all those um, suggestions and will definitely work in my own capacity to make sure that that happens too and support you. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Samurai, for all your work. Um, just a reminder to my colleagues too that LAFCO can add amendments or comments on the business plans to, um, to make sure that they're incorporated in whatever's submitted to the Board of Supervisors. That's correct, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then... Um, could you explain to this board here right now um, what what the consultants have proposed so far, you know, with participation lending, um, how much it'll take to get an MFC going, um, and also uh, the kind of proposed breakdown of the different areas that it would finance? Uh, absolutely. Um, so right now the... Uh HRNA, the consultants to the work group, have um, proposed a plan to capitalize an MFC with $40 million in year one of its operation. Essentially, this is a $40 million payment from the city directly to the MFC that we would not get back. Uh, it would probably need to happen through an appropriation to the board. Um, and then the, in their plan, the, that entity, the MFC, would turn a profit by year three with that initial $40 million and additional funding of up to uh, $50 million by year three. They've also shown us a plan where this can also happen with 20 million in capitalization, but I wanna stress uh, for the commissioners what their advice was that the more capitalization and funding you give the entity upfront, the more, the more quickly it can turn a profit and do that good that um, the San Francisco residents want. Those, 
that good, those priority areas uh, the vice chair mentioned are affordable housing, um, green energy investment, and small business investment. What the, the current financial models laid out by HRNA include um, direct lending opportunities for all of those areas, but uses the majority of that initial funding um, that it will get to do participation lending. Essentially, that means that there are, you know, there's a local CDFI in San Francisco that has a loan out for affordable housing or small businesses. This MFC, this entity, would buy that loan from that uh, CDFI or credit union, allowing them to issue more loans in that area, um, and we would get uh, the return on, on that uh, loan we bought. And there's, there's other ways to do that, but essentially what this would do is create an additional market in San Francisco for these specialized loan products that um, when we did community outreach, uh, the San Francisco residents said they needed the most. And so that's what um, the current financial model uh, and business plan includes. Did I answer your question, Vice Chair? Yes, thank you. And just, um, just kind of adding some comments on there. Um, you know, we saw with Silicon Valley Bank those affordable housing projects really hanging in the balance, and that's, that's exactly where something like a, a public bank or a revolving loan fund could help out. Um, and then we also just heard from uh, Marin Clean Energy about how they got a revolving loan fund for the, the virtual power plant. So, like, there are really concrete examples where this can fit in. Um, and what I also wanted to make sure um, is addressed is I think the the role for LAFCO after this reinvestment working group wraps up is making sure that, again, this is like $40 million, doesn't exist anywhere in the budget or political will, obviously, in the current budget cycle for this year. So we're having to look to outside funding. And again, Inflation Reduction Act, green banking, they're looking at specifically funding green banks. Um, and so the way that we make sure this, you know, pre-public bank, baby public bank, whatever you want to call it, MFC, is a green bank, is making sure that uh, green standards, so making sure that green standards run through all of those lending decisions. And I think that's where LAFCO can fit in and plug in the gaps and take examples from other public banks around the world, because there are hundreds. Um, Norwich Investment Bank comes to mind. Sustainability runs through every single lending decision that they make. And so I think that's where LAFCO can fit in afterward. And this is where the Green Bank study comes in again. Um, I also think that we also have to make sure that labor standards are in there. Um, obviously, the city has its own policies around labor standards and PLA agreements, skilled and trained workforce. Um, but I do want to make sure that both of those are running through so that, one, it's also aligned with our city policies and goals, but two, qualifies us potentially for millions of dollars that we need. So that's where I think LAFCO could fit in. Thank you so much, Mr. Samurai. Thank you. Um I look forward to hearing more, and I think definitely a uh, how do we get into establishing a governing body? Um, perhaps that's really the first step as well to just figure that out. Um, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Chan. And I, I just wanted to second the comments of Vice Chair 
fielder, I, and, and you know, I will resist the temptation in the interest of time and because I know we will go into this in great detail when this is before the GAO committee. Uh, and I look forward to, and, and absolutely agree with the suggestion around educating our colleagues. You know, I do want to note this is that the board has, the board of supervisors has moved unanimously on this issue in the past, which is really encouraging. It was a real mandate for uh, for the working group uh, to to carry out this work, and and I hope that uh, that continues. And looking forward to um, as as you mentioned, Chair Channel, educating newer members to the board who may not have cast votes on on this before. But even for those who did, I think there's broad support in concept for public bank and for the initial MFC, a broad a, a recognition that the kind of goals that we pass, whether it's in the housing element uh, or in our climate plans, they, they, for San Francisco to really do its part and scale up, there has got to be a source of capital and the, the source of capital is, I mean, it, that is the vision of the public bank. I, I mean, I just, I've yet to hear, despite hours of hearings, presentations, departments, I've yet to hear anyone in this city articulate, here is the plan, how we're actually going to fund goals in these three areas that match up with our plans, and like the recently adopted housing element. Uh, so, you know, barring these sort of federal or state massive uh, investments that Maybe one day we'll get there, but I think we're far more likely uh, to, to make more traction with, uh, locally, or at least to do our part um, through, through a public bank. So I know this has been a, a many years uh, effort for Vice Chair Fielder and her leadership at the uh, San Francisco Public Bank Coalition. Just want to recognize um, that work. And also, I've said it privately, but I just really do want to say publicly um, how exceptional the work of uh, Mr. Samurai uh, and Executive Officer Pollock on this um, in moving this forward and working with uh, the reinvestment working group who's done outstanding work. So I, I'm uh, actually amazed how far this has come in a very relatively short period of time and um, that's you know all the folks I just mentioned deserve a lot of credit for that as well as the consultants who have really gone above and beyond, and Mr. Samari recognized them, HRNA and uh, other, our other consultants. So um, looking forward to, uh, to uh, seeing the, that final report as uh, Vice Chair uh, Fielder notes, um, making whatever amendments or changes we want to here at LAFCO and then, and then moving this forward to, to the Board of Supervisors. So thank you all for your work on this. Thank you. And your next item. Yeah, thank you. And if I could add just uh, one other thought on the, the future work related to public bank is the other study that we have on the books is the, the Green Bank Financing Study as part of the, the LAFCO PUC MOU, uh, which ties together those two, two areas of, uh, of our work and uh, looking forward to, to getting started on that um, yeah, with, with the intention of you know, building a, a scope of work for that study that builds on top of the reinvestment working group's plans and, and thinking about how to, to take advantage of the Inflation Reduction Act financing and, um, and stand that, that portion of, uh, of the bank or the, the Municipal Finance Corporation up quickly. Um, and then I believe- I Vice Chair Fielder, sorry. Ah, yes. 
No, go ahead, Executive Officer. No, please, I was going to move on to a different topic, but... A very small thing, but um, the San Francisco Public Bank Coalition has put forward five different names for this, um, for the reinvestment working group to consider. Uh, San Francisco Bank of Community Reinvestment, San Francisco Community Reinvestment Bank, the Public Bank of San Francisco, the San Francisco Public Bank, and SF Green Bank of Community Reinvestment. So if you have opinions, commissioners, please submit them to the reinvestment working group, or we can talk about it as an amendment. Great. Uh, Great. Commissioner uh, Preston. Yes. Sorry, I just realized I, in my long list of, of thank yous, I neglected to mention one that really does deserve to be lifted up, and that is uh, the Budget Legislative uh, Analyst's Office that's really worked you know, closely with, with our office and, uh, and with, with LAFCO, and particularly um, Carl Bytel and, and, and the rest of the team there uh, have done some really invaluable uh, work to, to move this forward. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. The last item I'd like to highlight on the executive officer's report is just a brief update on the Midtown Park Apartments study. Uh, the RFP for a consultant to do the community engagement process is posted on the LAFCO website. Uh, we're, uh, current deadline for proposals is May 8th. And um, yeah, uh, encourage anyone interested in, in submitting or if you, any of you all know anyone, uh, we're looking to share this far and wide to get uh, as, as qualified a pool of proposals as we can. Uh, April 24th is the deadline for potential proposals to, proposers to submit questions. And um, yeah, looking forward to getting started on that work. Um, and uh, relatedly, Super, uh, Supervisor Preston has introduced a motion for the Board of Supervisors to formally request that LAFCO do this study uh, that has now been scheduled at the Land Use and Transportation Committee on Monday, uh, this coming Monday, April 24th. Uh, and uh, that concludes my report. Thank you. Um, I, I do, colleagues, I, I wanted to, um, of all these things that, all these items before us today, six, seven, and eight, um, I really wanted to thank our general counsel under um, CAUSA, just, just for the fact that general counsel has been uh, so supportive and really help us uh, providing guidance, legal guidance, and help us move many of these items forward that, that you see today, uh, all three of them, and then with, you know, some of these uh, RFP that went out and uh, of course the MOU language it's all because um, uh, of her support so I think she's online so I just wanted her to hear uh, my thanks uh, to her and with that um, before I open these items to public comments, colleagues, uh, I also want to let you know, besides uh, what I've mentioned earlier when we talk about both the budget and work plan and thinking about from a nine months, a monthly meeting of, of nine months per year to bi-monthly um, to about six meetings per year, I, I also want to suggest that um, uh, in the upcoming fiscal year that we uh, to actually have performance evaluation um, for both our general counsel uh, as well as uh, both Mr. Samarayan and uh, our executive officer, uh, Paul Locke, so that we, we can consistently making sure that uh, when we not only deciding our budget, we're also evaluating our performance um, overall as a body and as a, as a commission and the work that we do. So I just wanted to flag for all of you, um, those, are, those are the conversation to come. And with that, um, oh, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Chan. And just one other, this is a relatively minor item, but um, I noticed that our SFGTV uh, uh, almost basically doubles, goes from 11,000 
to 24,000, not the biggest item in the budget. At the same time, it just had me uh, wondering whether LAFCO, you see all these spots on SFGTV promoting the work of different departments of uh, you know, mayor's press conferences, Department of Environment initiatives. Um, I've said it before, I, I don't know if there's any branch or body of this government that does more work on less than a million dollars than than LAFCO. And I just, you know, there's plenty of that work that could really be uh, profiled in a PSA or educating the public. So when I saw that we're paying twice as much SFG TV, and I know uh, they, they earn every penny of it there, but I, but I was wondering if that's, uh, if that's a possibility and, and something that you might be able to look into, whether we could have something profiling some of the, the work of LAFCO uh, in one of those spots. Not familiar with uh, the process for SFGovTV's um, promo, promo spots or uh, their pro, uh, original programming, but happy to, to reach out and learn more. Thank you. So that'll be like additional for budget item and work plan. Um, and so colleagues with that, I just also again want to remind you that the budget and the work plan uh, requires two votes. Uh, so today will be our first decision uh, in approving or disapproving the item. Uh, it is certainly my intent to move forward approving the budget and the work plan today for the first vote. I uh, hope to have your support and then we'll come back in May for the final vote. Um, all this is with the goal to be consistent with the Board of Supervisors uh, budget process process, or the, I should say the city's budget process, that we hope that we meet the June 1st um, budget process. Um, so with that, um, Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. There are three items called. There are agenda items number six, seven, and eight. We will hear public comment on them together. We will, of course, hear first from a member of the public who is here in room 250 with us, and then after that, we will hear from folks who are connected to our meeting remotely. If you are connected remotely and you wish to speak on agenda items six, seven, and eight called together, please dial star followed by three to indicate your desire to speak. Otherwise, if we could hear from our first in-person speaker, come forward to the lectern for a minute, please. All right, uh, sorry, right, so wrapping up the meeting, which is all right, which is cool with me. Um, it's great. So today's Friday, uh, we got the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. I live about four blocks from here. In the corner. That's where I've been lived. That's where I've been living for the last. Speaker, year. I'm going to pause your time for just a moment. You've got 45 seconds. I'm going to give it back to you in a moment. But we will be having a LAFCO general public comment agenda item in a few moments. Right now, we're just hearing agenda items six, seven, and eight together. In okay. your 45 seconds, we'll continue. All right. So these, um, this agenda item is great. You guys are doing great. SFG TV. You guys are working really hard with just a little bit of money, and that's incredible. You guys gotta be lauded for that. Um, you know, you're making use of limited resources that you have to do great things for the city, and that you, which is broadcast, me. <laughs> um, we just want some help, and we wanna be able to figure it out, because there's really nowhere else to go except here, except here, you know. There's nowhere else to be except here to find out what's going on. I feel a little bit better um, since, you know, I came here in the morning. It always happens sometime during this meeting. You just start feeling better. You don't know why. But uh, it would be great if I had something to take home and feel good about later. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with LAFCO. We have one speaker remotely connected who wishes to speak on agenda items 6, 7, and 8. Could we have that line unmuted, please? Good morning again, Commissioners. Eric Brooks, Our City SF, and California's for Energy Choice. I just want to 
tie everything together that we've heard all day to the reinvestment working group update and something that Commissioner Preston said. So the, the what, what I got cut off on when I was talking about MCE is that MCE is going to take its initial uh, virtual power plant pilot and expand that to its entire, entire uh, four-county uh, service area. It is exactly through Green Bank Reinvestment Working Group, through the uh, vacancy tax proposal of Commissioner Preston, and integrating all these things to build out a virtual power plant in the entire city and county of San Francisco that LAFCO can be working on instead of simply just like the SFPC is doing, just putting some funds out for anyone who applies. We need to do, develop that plan, the plan that I keep talking with you about, and that's how to get there is to use this reinvestment uh, proposals to get this stuff in gear. Thank, thank you, Eric Brooks, for sharing your comments with LAFCO. Sorry to cut you off. We did reach the one-minute limit. And I'm checking now to see with DT if we have any further callers in the queue. And, Madam Chair, we have no further callers. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Um, colleagues, I would like to make the motion as I articulated. Um, I would like to make uh, earlier. I would like to make the motion to approve item six and seven um, and continue item number eight to the next meeting. Second by Commissioner Preston. Uh, Mr. Clerk, let's call a roll. A motion has been offered by Chair, Pran uh, <laughs> Chair Chan and seconded by Commissioner Preston that agenda item number six, the MOU, be approved and that the proposed budget and work plan for fiscal year 22-23 and agenda item number seven also be approved on that motion. Vice Chair Felder. Aye. Felder, aye. Commissioner Williams. Aye. Williams, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Chair Chan. Thank you. The motion of uh, all items six, seven, and eight are approved. Um, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item number nine? Uh, did you have an action for the executive officer's report? Should we just file that? Sorry, in, in that motion, I continued item number I'll eight to, that the to be the meeting. file. Of, there's no objection to that. Okay. I, I continued the. Oh, you yeah, want to continue item. the executive I did not file. officer's yeah. report to the next meeting. Thank you. We'll call agenda item number nine. This is public comment. Members of the public may address the LAFCO on matters that are within LAFCO's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. If you wish to speak on this item and you are connected remotely, please dial star three and that will add you to the queue. Otherwise, we'll hear from our speaker who is here present with us in the chamber for one minute. Please come forward. Uh, so LAFCO. Uh, local agency formation commission um, this this is great uh, so what we have here is we heard a lot of we had we had uh, we had some great presentations I paid uh, attention to the peninsula clean energy um, uh, what the folks there are doing which is pretty incredible by 2025 they want to create renewable renewable energy for um, 90% renewable energy or 100% or 99%. I don't know, but it's great. What they're doing is great. I lived there for about two years um, out in the open, out in the street. So used any energy that I could get from any building that's emitting heat to keep myself warm at night. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I got. Thank you, guys. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with LAFCO. Could we get the next speaker connected remotely, please? 
Good afternoon, Commissioners. Eric Brooks again, uh, our city SF and Californians for Energy Choice. The one thing, the key thing that we did not talk about in the entire meeting today is revenue bonds. I believe I sent you all an email about the board's ability to float revenue bonds without having to go to the voters to get those approved, and that it's a crucial way that we could fund not only clean energy but also housing, uh, housing improvements that can also be used for clean energy purposes to get that federal funding. And so I just, if you did not get that, you've got my email. Email me and ask about the revenue bonds information that I sent, and I'll send it to you again. But we do need to make sure that as we move forward with all of these discussions on reinvestment in clean energy and housing improvements, that we're using revenue bonds so that we don't have to always go to the voters to get funding and so that those bonds pay for themselves instead of requiring taxes, which is why you don't have to go to the voters. Thanks. Thank you, Eric Brooks, for sharing your comments. And Madam Chair, we have no further callers in the queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, uh, public comment is now closed. And uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please uh, call item number 10? Agenda item number 10 is future agenda items. Colleagues, any future agenda items that you would like to note for, for now? Vice Chair Fielder. Just probably the obvious, which is the final public bank plans um, or an update at next meeting. Great. Look forward to it. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to public comments on uh, future agenda items. This will be the last time we take public comment at LAFCO at today's meeting. This is specifically on future agenda items. Do we have anyone who wants to provide public comment on future agenda items for LAFCO? If so, please come forward to the lectern in room 250 or dial star 3 to be added to the queue if you're connected remotely. Uh, with future agenda items, I'd just say to keep um, these powerful presentations are really great. People like me learn a lot about what's going on in this city. And, you know, at the end of the day, we just want some some clarity, some answers. Just try to figure out what's going on. What's going on? It's been so long, you know. It's been a long time since I've had any contact with anybody in society. Absolutely none whatsoever. And this is where I can come find it. This is where I can, you know, uh, get to see it. I, mean, I get to be seen, which is crazy. It doesn't happen to me over 13 years, 10, over 10 years. It's incredible how something like that happens in a, you know, in the age that we're in, in the time we're in. But I guess I heard some great news. I guess, I don't know, my brain heard it or whatever, and it's kind of like in a different mode. Um, but it's Glafco, you know, all the power to you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with Lafco. Could we have our caller who's connected remotely, please? Hello, good afternoon one last time. Eric Brooks, Our City SF, and Californians for Energy Choice. Really key uh, future agenda item. I emailed you all about it last Friday after 4 o'clock, somewhere in the 4 o'clock range, so look for that, is AB 538, which is a state uh, assembly bill, which would take away California's local nonprofit control of its electricity grid and transfer it to private uh, coal operators and states that have fossil fuel uh, heavy operations and transfer it to the federal government so that we would not control our own electricity grid anymore. And if a pro-coal president like Donald Trump got elected, 
we would then be in a situation where Donald Trump would control our clean energy programs in, in California and San Francisco. So it's really vital that on the next uh, agenda you put AB 538 and just as you did with a similar Speaker's bill five years ago, oppose that bill. Thank you, Eric Brooks, for sharing your comments. Sorry to cut you off once again. We did reach the one-minute limit for comments. And, Madam Chair, I don't see that we have any further callers in the queue. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, seeing no more public comment, public comment is now closed. Um, just thank you, colleagues, for today. Uh, we really appreciate all the work that everyone has done. Uh, Mr. Clerk, do we have any other business before us? There is no further business. Great. The meeting is adjourned.